Hi guys, McLaughlin here. That would be of the Craig variety. Hi, this is Shana Blaze. Hello, this is Tom Ballard. Hi, this is Melissa Cap. G'day, this is Scamo, Scott Morrison. Hi, this is Reese Nicholson. Hi, it's Gina Liano from the Real Housewives of Melbourne. Hi, this is Reese Maston. Hi, this is JC Fox. This is Kathy Griffin. Hey, this is Todd McCollum. Hello, this is Weird Al Yankovic. Hello everybody, it's Omar Rudberg and you're listening to the Troy Murphy Show. Troy Murphy laughing at me in the other studio. Oh, he's dancing to my radio vet. Hello, Troy. The last couple of shows I've listened to the Troy Murphy show, I've nearly had a couple of accidents because my eyes have been watering with laughter so much. Is it me? Am I the problem? Surely I can't be the only one that thinks that the world is going bananas. With doctors last summer claiming the term morbidly obese to be ditched. Look, I understand morbidly obese is not a glamorous term, but unlike the morbidly obese lifestyle, one should not have to sugarcoat everything to explain that it's problematic. He's ready for his close-up. It's the Troy Murphy Show. Ladies, gentlemen, them, they and all, welcome to the Troy Murphy Show. I'm, of course, your host, Troy Murphy, and this, as the name suggests is the Troy Murphy Show. Yes, that's right. It's that glorious time of the week again. Thursday nights from 7pm when the Troy Murphy Show graces the TWSR bandwidth and airwaves for an exciting adventure of talk until 8pm. The Troy Murphy Show is the Sutherland Shire's very own news, opinion and talk show covering everything from the fun news to the serious news. We talk what's trending and what's happening locally. It's a show with something for everyone on your Thursday night as we do serious stuff at the front, local stuff in the middle and fun stuff towards the end of the show. So thanks for tuning in today, this Thursday, the 16th day of November. And with that, welcome to TurbulSR's one and only over-opinionated talk show where, and here comes the disclaimer, the opinions presented on this show are that of my own and not the view of the stations or other presenters. We're on the show this week. Opening the show, we'll take a look at the proposed student walkout to go protest the Palestine-Israeli war and why that is a huge concern. We'll also take a look at cost of living. Yes, we'll take another look at it as we launch our new Shire Community Watch segment. Stay tuned for that because there's a call out for your help. Your help, not only for our local organisations, but those who are ever more increasingly in need. We've got the latest Shire local news and what's on across the Shire, the quick quiz, and in fun stuff at the back. Oh, more horror dating stories. And we'll look at the viral TikTok video of a woman who got her boyfriend's name tattooed to her forehead and why. Also, weird, wacky, wonderful news at the very end. Oh, 
You don't have to worry about snakes on a plane anymore. No siree. Be more worried about horses on a plane. Stay tuned for that one. All that and so much more tonight here on The Troy Murphy Show. And with that, let's dive headfirst into this week's show without any safety gear on, of of course, because that's how we do things here on the show, responsibly, with the intent to have fun, to entertain and to share my opinions of the news of the day. Don't try this at home. 2SSR-FM, the home of The Troy Murphy Show. Thanks for tuning in. This is The Troy Murphy Show. Now, when it comes to the Palestine-Israel war, it's not really a topic that I cover much here on the program. I did when it first broke. I expressed my views and I left it at that. Mostly because I understood that it was going to be an evolving story. And whilst we do do serious stuff here on The Troy Murphy Show, and whilst we do criticise our own government on the issues of the day, following a war is not something generally I like to do nor broadcast because I understand the sensitivities of the topic, especially as we have seen ever-growing divide on the debate. I only jump back into the conversation on this because, well, the pro-Palestinian protesting has taken an absurd, absurd twist. This week... We have seen recent, well, we've seen news that school students in mostly Melbourne, but I think also in other capital cities, planning to walk out of school to go and protest and support Palestine. And it brings to light a series of both baffling and concerning elements. Firstly, the sheer notion of students, presumably without a comprehensive grasp of the complex geopolitical issue at hand engaging in a mass walkout. Well, that's startling. That's startling. However, the most striking aspect is the lack of critical engagement with the issue itself. One cannot help but find it absurd that students, in the midst of their educational journeys, are taking such drastic actions, perhaps without fully understanding the intricate dynamics of the Israel-Palestine conflict. Moreover, it raises questions about the role of schools and educators in guiding students through these complex global issues. If they're all going out there, pro-Palestine protesting, well, we know that they're not getting the full story and it further goes to show how certain protest movements i'm just trying to think of a polite way to say this without garnishing myself in trouble use students and manipulate our young into following their cause without giving all the detail 
These kids are just pawns in a political movement. And it's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Additionally, the online reactions to this have been mixed, with some praising the students' activism and others questioning the depth of their understanding and the appropriateness of their methods. But what is not being discussed in the media, and I guarantee at home or most certainly not at school, is what it means for these students to go and support Palestine. It's naive for these school students to support Palestine because by supporting Palestine, they are supporting Hamas. Hamas is the government. Now, look, let's just retract a little bit before anyone, anyone who didn't listen to my previous editorial on this a few weeks ago, misconstrues what I'm trying to say or what I'm saying here. Whilst my support tends to lean more towards Israel on this issue, I don't generally support either side, especially when there is a war between two countries. I don't like to take any side on a war unless it's especially when you when you consider the historical uh, uh, the, his, the the historical context of this issue but Hamas are a terrorist a recognized terrorist organization they're the ones who went and killed innocent people starting at a music festival kidnapping innocent men women the elderly children have kept them detained, were told to respond, to, to let them go, release the hostages. Otherwise, hell would rain fire on them. I think that was a loose translation of what was said. They didn't. War came. Additionally, innocent lives are being lost in Palestine. No one in their right mind would not grieve for these innocent people who are losing their lives. My biggest question uh, is, are these children, when they're, they're told to go and support a ceasefire and go and support Palestine, are they being told that, well, you know, there was a, there, there was a ceasefire before this war took place? Are they being told that the governing body of which the majority of the country support in fact, let's just look at a few statistics. A poll from October 2023 indicates that around 50% of people in Gaza expressed at least somewhat positive opinions of Hamas. And a similar percentage were reported in the West Bank, 52%. And if we go back in time, polls conducted in the Palestinian territories have shown varying levels of support for Hamas. For example, one poll from June 2021 found that 77% of Palestinians believe Hamas emerged as a winner and had significant support. But let's go back to the school. The recent involvement of school students in protests or about to go and protest supporting Palestine and by extension, potentially Hamas, raises significant concerns regarding their understanding of the complex socio-political dynamics at play here. Hamas designated as a terrorist organization by many countries, including our own, is known for its violently anti-Semitic, misogynistic and homophobic stances, which starkly contrast with the values of a liberal democratic 
society. We here in Australia are a democratic society, a liberal democratic society. We don't believe in anti-Semitic behaviour. No one here supports, in their right mind, misogyny. And homophobia is a no-go zone. My question is, do these students fully grasp the nature of Hamas, its ideological underpinnings, and the actions it has been involved in, not only in this war, but throughout history, including acts of terrorism and human rights violations. Their support, therefore, might stem from a lack of a war, and I'm talking about the students here, the students' support, therefore, might stem from a lack of awareness rather than informed conviction, which is a completely different debate of what is being taught in our school situations. There's also the complexity of the conflict. The Israel-Palestinian conflict with Hamas as a significant player is exceptionally concept, uh, complex. It's doubtful that school students could even comprehend the nuances of this long-standing conflict, including the historical and political and religious factors at play. In fact, I don't even think most adults would understand it. You'd have to be an expert on the issue to understand the whole complex issue. Contrast, of course, with de uh, democratic values. The ideologies and the actions of Hamas starkly contrast with the values of freedom, equality, and human rights that are fundamental to many democratic societies, including Australia. By supporting Hamas, even indirectly, students might unknowingly align themselves with values that oppose the basic principles of our own society. And this whole situation underscores the need for educational institutions to provide balanced, comprehensive perspectives on such complex issues, encouraging informed discussion and critical thinking among students. This is vital, vital to, print, to prevent naive support based on limited or one-sided information. And where is this information coming from? You know it's the activists who have infiltrated the education, and I allegedly, allegedly, let's say that word there, allegedly infiltrated the education system to breed the next generation of support for their movement. And of course, freedom of speech and education. Whilst freedom of speech is crucial, no one's saying that these, these uh, protests shouldn't happen. Freedom of speech, fully supported. I don't like the violent aspect to some of these protests and the racial elements to some of these protests. And there's a whole heap of questions. Why protests about this? Where were the protests when, you know, the, the other recent war that's still going on between Russia and the Ukraine? Anyway, that's a different topic. There needs to be a more nuanced and informed approach when dealing with issues as complex and as sensitive as the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And of course, organisations like Hamas, who are heavily involved and the root cause of this war. But like I said, just so no one takes this out of context, yes to protests, 
yes to ensuring that innocent lives are not lost. And as for our country, we have to stop the anti-Semitic approach to our Jewish Australians. Jewish Australians who are now feeling more concerned about their safety than ever before, precisely at the time that they should be feeling more reassured to live here in Australia. And any violent protest or protest that has racial undertones needs to be condemned by everyone. And of the question, should there be a ceasefire? Of course there should be a ceasefire. And of course, humanitarian assistance should reach all those who need it on both sides, especially those in Gaza. But a ceasefire should be sought when Hamas completely surrenders, first and foremost, the remaining Israeli hostages. The people they took that start this war. Hashtag that as a rant over. And I hope I don't talk on this topic again. But for the love of whatever deity you prescribe to, leave the children out of this. To use them in pawns in a political protest, undoubtedly or allegedly by owning, only arming them with half-truths and not the full story, or proper critical analysis, well, that's the real child abuse in this country. More of the Troy Murphy Show coming up right after this. Never miss a beat. Follow the Troy Murphy Show Facebook page. Search the Troy Murphy Show. Stay tuned. More from the Troy Murphy Show coming up right after this. Whether you're growing older, rehabilitating or living with a disability, help is always here at AidaCare. Our new showroom in Sylvania isn't the only reason people choose AidaCare. It's also the information you gain from a chat with our people. Stay informed about the latest equipment, streamlined procedures and funding options available to you by calling 1300 133 120 or visiting adacare.com.au. AidaCare is a registered NDIS provider, home care supplier and DVA specialist and is a proud sponsor of 2SR. In Australia, only 13% of people keep fish, 9% of households without a pet and 17% with a pet are interested in keeping fish. The three reasons they don't keep fish are that they think it is harder, more expensive and more time consuming than it is. All three reasons are a myth depending on what setup you choose. A simple tropical setup is actually the easiest and cheapest pet you can get. Pop in and visit us at Majestic Aquarium's Tarrant Point or follow us on our social media and learn how far fish keeping has come in the last few years. Majestic Aquariums are proud sponsors of 2SR. 2SR can help you promote your business with an innovative and inexpensive marketing plan. Our in-house team will help you design a campaign, voice the audio and give it the professional production values you need. To find out more, call us on 9545 1800 or email info at 2 to organise a talk with our experienced marketing team. Hi, it's Kale. Hope you can join me for Friday Night Live every Friday from 7 to 9pm for a mix of pop and indie music, interviews with interesting people and all the music and entertainment news from the Shire, Sydney and beyond. Friday Night Live, 7pm on 2SR 99.7 FM. I'll see you there. It seems today. 
that all you hear is music on the radio and murder on podcasts. But where are those good old-fashioned talk shows on which we used to rely? Lucky Bear's a Troy Murphy show. Lucky Bear's a man who positively can do all the things that make us tune in live. It's the Troy Murphy Show. Never miss a show. Listen on demand. Click The Troy Murphy Show on the 2SR.com.au homepage program guide. You are listening to The Troy Murphy Show and regular listeners to the program will know how much and how often I harp on about our current cost of living crisis. In the past, I've spoken about the statistics, what's going up and how much it's been going up and calling on the government to do something about it. This week, I want to take a little bit of a different look at the topic, the current landscape for not-for-profit organisations in the context of the ongoing cost of living crisis has revealed a very challenging scenario. These organisations who are an integral part of the fabric of social support across the country, including here in the Sutherland Shire. It was only a couple of weeks ago I spoke to our local food bank. I've actually since spoken to a few more, which is why this is part of this week's opinion. And look, stay tuned for the end of this this break because I I, I want to announce something that I'm going to be focusing more here on the program. Anyway, these non-for-profit organisations, well, they've found themselves increasingly burdened by the rising demand for their services. Everyone I've spoken to who works in a not-for-profit or a community organisation who supplies some sort of service, whether it be food or clothing or toys, has reported an increase in the demand for their service. This situation is compounded by the static nature. That means stopped. The static nature of government funding which has not seen funding increase to to match not only the demands on their services, but the increase in operational costs when it comes to renting or electricity or food. Non-profit services are essentially operating in a dual crisis mode. Firstly, managing the escalating need for those they serve. And secondly, grappling with financial sustainability. The federal budget's recent introduction of new funding, well, I'm told it does offer some support, yet it fails short of addressing the full scope of these challenges. And to the community groups that I have spoken to, they haven't seen anything. They can apply They can apply for grants, but as we all know, grants, applying for grants, well, you need a degree in it, or you need to hire an expert who takes their chunk of the the grant money to pay for their services, and rightfully so, in order for you to get a grant. This gap in funding and support underscores a broader issue within the system where not-for-profits are expected to 
comp to compensate for governmental shortfalls in social services. And let's be honest, we, we just elected a Labour government. This is a government who prides themselves on supporting this, the, the social services. They're the ones who splash the cash. But where is the cash to help these non-for-profit organisations who are helping those in need, especially during this cost of living crisis, when the government's own shortfalls aren't covering the basic needs of those in our community? This dynamic places an unfair burden on all of these organisations which already operate under tight financial constraints. There is no not-for-profit out there who has piles of money come... Well, there might be, but the ones that I speak to, there's no piles of money coming in. They rely on donations and, and charity. There's no gold buckets to help these people. They operate on a shoestring string budget. Workforce shortages, as well as wage cost pressures, further exacerbate this situation, creating a cycle where the ability to deliver essential services is compromised. In essence, not-for-profits are being asked to do more with less, a scenario that is neither sustainable nor fair. And at the end of that, if they don't have the money to run their services, they close down. If they don't have the money to run their services, not everyone can be looked after. Not everyone can be looked after at the best of times, but that situation is only going to get worse. The role of not-for-profits is undeniably crucial across Australia, here in the Shire, yet their capacity to continue Delivering services at current levels is under threat. It raises a fundamental question about the sustainability of relying on these organisations to bridge gaps in government service provision without adequate support. And we as a community, we are a very affluent, lucky supportive community here in the Shire. If you see a charity out there, I encourage you to do what you can to support them, which is something we will do here on the Troy Murphy Show. Going forward, we will invite local not-for-profit and community organisations onto this program each week to discuss what they do for our community and how we as a community can help them. That will start next week here on the show. If you are a not-for-profit organisation or a community organisation, whether you are based here in the Shire or service the Sutherland Shire, I want to hear from you. I've never given my personal work email out on the program before, but I'm going to do it now. Troy.Murphy at 2SR.com. .au. That is my personal work email. If you are a not-for-profit or community organisation here in the Sutherland Shire and want a shout-out, if you want to talk about what you do, how you deliver service, or even if it's just a community organisation like us here at 2SR who are here just to entertain the Sutherland Shire, I want to hear from all community organisations 
I want to talk to you. I want to promote what you do. So the rest of the the, the, the 2SSR audience can also hear about you and then can find out ways to support you and what you do. Troy.Murphy at 2SSR.com.au. Together, let's help those who need the help during this cost of living crisis as it continues to escalate as our government seem to have forgotten the not-for-profit organizations in our community and across the country who pick up the slack when they are not doing their job when it comes to social services. That email again, troy.murphy at 2ssr.com.au. Breaking back with more. It's time to take a look at the news that broke across the Sutherland Shire this week. And now to Sutherland Shire local news. State Planning Minister Paul Scully holds Sutherland Shire Council solely responsible for public dissatisfaction over a new flood study. The study highlights 15,600 properties in danger of flooding during extreme weather. Scully calls for a transparent administration of fault by the council, criticising their handling of the situation. Sutherland Shire's recent mayoral minute voices local residents' concerns to the government, particularly targeting Scully. It also requests clarity on the frequency of such flood studies. Heathcote's Marianne Stewart attributes the negative reaction to the council's draft overland flood study, stressing their failure to meet every five-year flood study requirements, a mandate unchanged since 2005. In a revealing letter, Mayor Camelo Pesci admits to delays in completing the study, a government obligation. This delay has notably affected suburbs like Warrenora, with residents witnessing increased flood risks. Also in local news, this week the Shire celebrates the centenary of the Cronulla Golf Club, a cornerstone of our community's golfing and social spheres. Golf first arrived in Cronulla in 1921, played on flat sandy lands near the Cronulla Hotel, known now as Northies. A group of avid golfers bought 45 hectares adjacent to the hotel to establish a nine-hole course and clubhouse. This effort laid the groundwork for what we now known as Cronulla Golf Club. A gala dinner is set for December 15, commemorating the opening of the original Cronulla Lynx course in 1923. The club under President Bob Richardson has seen remarkable growth with over 1,400 playing members and 5,000 social members. And finally, in local news, to Miranda, where the new skate park and children's playground at Seymour Park is set to open just in time for Christmas holidays. Construction began in February for the Youth Active Sports Precinct, featuring a skate park with two bowls, a plaza skating course, parkour and climbing elements, and a fenced children's playground with shaded areas. The opening date is aimed for the end of November. 
funded by $4.75 million of state government grant and 370000 from Sutherland Shire Council, Miranda MP Eleni Pentanos announced an additional nearly $3 million from the state for Stage 2, which includes sports fields and amenities upgrades. Mayor Camillo Pesci emphasised that the project's aim is to meet the recreational needs of all ages and abilities. And that's Sutherland Shire Local News. 2SSR-FM, the home of the Troy Murphy Show. It's time now for the quick quiz here on the Troy Murphy Show. Same rules every week. You've got three seconds to shout your answer before it's revealed. Details on how to win your prize at the end of the quiz. Let's do it. Question number one. In which language does bellissimo mean very beautiful? The answer, Italian. Question number two, in which Australian city is the Royal Australian Mint? Canberra. Question number three, a kid is the young of which farm animal? The answer in three seconds. The answer, of course, is a goat. Question number four, music question and TV question. The name of what toy brand comes before House in the title of an Ed Sheeran hit and before Masters in the title of a reality TV show? I'll ask the question again. The name of what toy brand comes before House in the title of an Ed Sheeran hit and before Masters in the title of a reality TV show? The answer, of course, is Lego. They're also used as a punishment, torture device for parents with young children. It's all part of the uh, being an adult with kids game. Or so I'm led to believe. Which then takes us to the final question. No no link, though, between that question and this. Uh, Question number five. Who wrote the classic novel... Animal Farm. A bit of a stumper for you. Who wrote the classic novel Animal Farm? The answer to question number five is George Orwell. How did you do? Let us know on the Troy Murphy Show Facebook page. Send us a message with how many you guessed correct and we'll reply with little emojis of trophies to reward you for each question you got correct. That's the game. We'll play it again next week. Plenty more of the Troy Murphy Show coming up right after this. Time 
check out what's happening around our glorious Sutherland Shire. And coming up at the end of the month, the Dandelion Support Network, who are amazing. They're a non-profit grassroots organisation who support children and families in need based here in the Sutherland Shire, are hosting their Christmas drive. And to tell us more from the Dandelion Support Network is Gabriella Humphreys. Gabrielle, welcome to the show. Hi, Troy. Thanks so much for having me on the show. You're it's really welcome. a real pleasure to be talking to your audience. <laughs> oh, you're absolutely welcome, Gabrielle. I, I am so excited for this event because what you guys do for our community is amazing. So let's not keep the listeners in suspense. Tell us about the drive you are holding. So a lovely supporter of ours, Anna, is holding a drive in Engadine on Friday the 24th and Saturday the 25th from 7am to 6pm. Um, she's holding it at 40 Cambrai Avenue in Engadine and um, she's actually doing a collection for us leading up into Christmas of pre-loved and new items. So this is pre-loved and, and new items for, for children. What sort of yes. items are you looking for people of our community to donate to you, the Dandelion Support Network, so you can then pass it on to, to families in need? So Anna's actually collecting shoes, um, clothes, pre-loved toys, also new gifts uh, for Christmas for the kids. Uh, so kids' linen, uh, baby carriers and nappies. Um, it doesn't encompass everything we do, such as the cots, prams, car seats and the bigger items. However, we're also holding a donation day at our premises at uh, Unit 4, 141 to 151 Tarrant Point Road, Tarrant Point, on Saturday the 25th as well from 9.30 to 2.30. And um, donors are welcome to come and drop off those bigger items to us. And, and that includes pre-loved uh, bigger items as well? Yes, yes. So at, at our premises, we can take the bigger things like the car seats, the prams, the bassinets, and people are also welcome to bring other donations when they're bringing those donations as well. And a perfect time of year to do it. You get a little bit of screening, uh, so, sorry, a little bit of uh, a spring cleaning done and, and you get to help yes. a great charity as well. Yes, most definitely. And there's lots of families. I think the last last look we had, oh goodness, around 150 families on the wait list waiting for items to re receive them before Christmas. And what sort of age groups are you looking at for these donations? So we help from babies uh, up to older children. We take up to size 16 in clothing. So we actually do take toys and clothing for older children, so for teenagers. And we also do take single bed linen. We don't take single beds, unfortunately, because we have not much space where we are, uh, but we do take single bed Manchester as well. I've got to ask, as, as an uncle of, of uh, young nieces, uh, how popular is is Bluey for, <laughs> for donations? <laughs> Oh, most definitely. We do get requests where, um, so we actually work with social workers and the social workers put in requests saying our client would really love some bluey things for their little kids. Well, there you go. <laughs> if you're looking popular. to donate this weekend, bluey is it. And and, and what's, what are some of the, um, the objects that you get a, a lot of versus some of the objects that you don't receive but would really value at this time of year as we come up to Christmas? Sure. So, surprisingly, 
Um, I think maybe people go wild when their child turns one or two because <laughs> I think they're no longer crawling in things. And we seem to receive a heap of donations of size one and two clothing for both boys and girls. However, at the other end of the spectrum, we don't get enough of the teenage clothes. So from about size 10 to size 16, we really do struggle to get enough clothing for the kids in that age group. And as you would imagine, in particular boys who <laughs> tend to be a bit more rough and tumble than the girls, it seems. Um, and also the shoes for the bigger kids as well. Um, we do struggle all the time with the bigger items like the cots, prams, car seats and bassinets. At, at the moment, we're very, very low on um, car seats that are suitable for newborns um, and also with bassinets. There we go. Um, and so we, we'd really love to receive some of those donations so we can help the little bubbies being born around the Christmas period. I should also mention, because I will be in trouble, we're struggling with baby toys and um, also with the linen. We do always go rip through the linen. So we're always happy to have all, all of the types of linen. So for bassinets, cots and single beds. There we go. There's a shopping list. The Dandelion Drive. <laughs> it's happening at Engadine Friday the 24th and Saturday the 25th of November from 7am to 6pm in Engadine, 40 Cambry Avenue. Thank you so much, Gabrielle, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Troy, and thank you to your listeners. Stay tuned. More from The Troy Murphy Show coming up right after this. IRT Thomas Holt has been caring for older people for over 50 years. As experts in residential aged care, We specialise in general, respite, dementia and palliative care, providing professional and compassionate care with a personal touch. Visit one of our aged care centres across the Sutherland Shire, meet our friendly, experienced team and discover the modern facilities and welcoming atmosphere of our community. To book a tour or for more information, visit irtthomasholt.org.au. Proud sponsors of 2SSR. Have you ever thought about the life you want to lead in retirement? How much will you need to save to achieve it? And will your superannuation be enough? A little bit of planning now can help you reach your retirement goals. At GJ Private Wealth, we take a customised approach to your retirement planning. Our expert team of qualified advisors will work with you to understand your personal situation and retirement goals to provide you with a personalised plan to help you get there. Speak to one of our advisors today by calling 02-8539-7999 or visit www.gjprivatewealth.com.au GJ Private Wealth are authorised representatives of AMP Financial Planning and are proud sponsors of 2SSR. Would you like to be involved in your local not-for-profit radio station? Would you like to become a 2SSR volunteer with the opportunity to be a presenter, provide office support or help with community events? If you would like to be part of the 2SSR family, call us on 9545-1800 or go to our website 2SSR.com.au and click on Membership to download the application form. Keeping it smooth in the Shire for over 20 years. Paul E. Routledge and Smooth Jazz. Will Downing. Gerald Albright. Brand new heavies. 
Paul E. Routledge and Smooth Jazz. Sunday, 6pm for The Drive Home on FM 99.7. You're listening to The Troy Murphy Show. Here as we do fun stuff at the back of The Troy Murphy Show, you know just how much we love horror dating stories. Get this, we head to the UK for this story where a... A couple went on a date, now couple, and I'm going to assume it's a male and female couple because they're referred to as woman and man in the article, but one does not assume. But for the sake of the article and to move on with it, let's go a male and female couple. Well, they went to a pub for their first date and, you know, they sat down and they ordered, went to order, well, she went to order some food And she asked, what would he like? And he said, oh, no, he doesn't need to read from the menu. Get this, because he was happy to eat what was left on the table next to them. Yeah, you know when you go to a restaurant or a pub or or wherever they're serving food and sometimes the table is not clean next to you and there's food on it because someone didn't eat all of it? Yeah, he was happy to eat that. The woman... Bless her, she offered to pay for his lunch, but he flatly refused and then proceeded to eat the leftover cold toast and wrinkled sausage, according to the article, from the filthy plates of strangers. And the woman, she's obviously spoken about this since, watched him as he scoffed his face with the discarded food, listening to him explain why he hated seeing food go to waste. Now, the woman, she she did take to the internet asking people if this behaviour was normal and if she, well, and she was met with a tirade of common sense suggesting that this was in no way acceptable, especially on a date. Now, what makes this worse? Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> the poor woman had been seeing this man for a few months, a few months before this atrocious act took place, which means she had no idea not only how revolting he was, but how revolting the mouth she was kissing was. There are no words, ladies and gentlemen, that can articulate the betrayal this woman must have felt when she witnessed this. Oh, I tell you what, I love the bad dating (laughs) stories that plague the internet every so often mm. which begs the question hit us up on the Troy Murphy Show Facebook page how would you react if you were on a date and the person you were on the date with reached over to the unclean table next to yours and grabbed a stranger's discarded plate and started chewing down on their half-eaten food. No thanks. That's a deal breaker. That is what I call in the Troy Murphy show dating world a dumpable 
offence. Never miss a show? Listen on demand. Click The Troy Murphy Show on the 2SSR.com.au homepage program guide. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to this here, The Troy Murphy Show. Now, if you are one of those social media users, especially the TikTok, the TikTok platform that all the kids seem to be on, including myself, not much a kid, but well, at heart, maybe. Anyway, I digress. You would have heard of a woman by the name of Anna Stanskovi. Now, if you haven't, she is a woman who's gone viral in the past couple of weeks after getting a tattoo of her boyfriend's name, Kevin, on her forehead. The video was posted on November 5 and quickly went viral, garnering over 32.9 million views. With many viewers in the comments and in the reposts and the, the duetting or whatever they call it, stunned by her action, speculating about the consequences of, say, you know, if their relationship ended, while others doubted the tattoo's authenticity. Let's take a listen to the clip that went viral. Yes, do it. Done? Yeah. Oh, thanks yeah. God. Okay, let's see. Okay. Oh my God. I love it. Oh, Kevin's gonna love it. Right, well, there's the video. Uh, not much to hear. It's more of a visual thing, but this is radio uh, and the medium is audio. <laughs> however, however, in that clip, you can visually see this woman, Anna, getting the name Kevin tattooed to her forehead. And when I say her forehead, I don't just mean a little bit of her forehead. I'm talking about the entire forehead. Now, throughout the week, Anna continued to deny that the tattoo was a fake in subsequent videos. However, however, earlier this week, Anna revealed the truth in a video captioned, I regret my tattoo, where she wiped the ink off her forehead, proving that it was not real. Anna, who has real tattoos, explained her intent was to highlight potential tattoo regrets. This confession video also went viral, attracting over 23 million views. Let's take a listen. My tattoo. The video of me getting my boyfriend's name tattoo on my forehead went viral. All of the big social media platforms, newspapers, radio stations were talking about it. And all I want to say is that I regret my tattoo, but not this one because this is actually not a real tattoo. And the reason why I tricked the whole internet is that I have a message to young people and all of the people who wants to get covered in tattoos. I want everyone to know that I regret my tattoos and you might regret yours when you get older. And as a person fully covered in tattoos, 
I feel like this is my responsibility to speak up, share my experience. And when people see me on social media, the first thing they notice about me is my tattoos. So if I influence people, I want to influence people in the right way. I remember when 10 years ago, I was getting my first tattoos and my mom, my friends were telling me all the time, Anna, you will regret your tattoos. And I didn't listen, um, maybe because they didn't have any tattoos. But if there was a person covered in tattoos saying they regret their tattoos, I would have listened. So like and share this video so we can together spread the tattoo awareness that no one really talks about. Look, fair point. Fair point. I am a person with tattoos. Do I regret some of them? Yeah, probably. Especially now that I'm getting older and the skin has... Well, I'm... You put on a little bit of extra weight when you get older. Well, I should probably say it's harder to lose weight as you get older. So, and, and tattoo ink fades. So some of the tattoos don't look uh, quite as good as what they did uh, when I got them several decades ago. <laughs> uh, so good move. And like the video's attempt, the stunt has spurred discussions here on my show too about tattoo regret. But as for a internet hoax, a, a TikTok hoax, well, it was a pretty good one. She had everyone convinced that it was real. Mind you, she wouldn't be the first person to get a stupid tattoo and post it to to social media. What, it was only a couple of months ago. I know I talked about it here on this show and, and some of the other programs did as well about the guy who got his Nikes tattooed to his feet. And there's all that, the no regrets uh, tattoo that some guy got on his chest. There's a lot of incidences where people get dumb tattoos tattooed somewhere all over their body. So I guess this could be could be a good public service announcement. But I tell you what, TikTok, if you're listening, forget introducing filters. The next big TikTok update should include a real or not meter for every post. I remember the good old days where, where a uh, next level prank was a whoopee cushion or fake spiders. I tell you what, the, the, the new prank standards nowadays is tricking millions of people into believing your life-altering decisions. And I just hope out of being a responsible person on social media, she at no point convinced some influenced, she's an influencer, people watching are influenced person to actually get their boyfriend or partner's name tattooed to their Forward. But I guess we'll just wait, watch, and see if that news story breaks in the next week or two. Two Double SR FM, the home of the Troy Murphy Show. You know how much we just love the weird, wacky, and wonderful news from around the world. Well, my friends, as always, we head to America for the weirdest of them all. Get this, a 747 cargo plane flying from New York to Belgium this week had to make an unexpected return to John F. Kennedy International Airport because 
and you won't believe this, this won't be on your bingo playing card for weird, wacky, wonderful news tonight. A horse managed to break free from its stall and run around the plane. The incident which happened shortly after... Wait, can we just hold up a second there? Horses on long-distance plane rides? Is that a thing? The incident which happened shortly after takeoff was relayed by the pilots over air traffic control. The horse's breakout occurred when the plane was around 31,000 feet in the air. As a result, the pilots decided to return to JFK, making a U-turn off the Boston coast and jets, jettisoning around 20 tonnes of fuel over the Atlantic Ocean to manage the plane's weight. Oh, that's a lot of fuel into the ocean. That ain't good for the environment. <laughs> a veterinarian was requested on standby at JFK, JFK for the horse's arrival. Oh, I can understand why they turned the plane around. If you've got a horse loose in a paddock, you know, that's fine. There's paddock to run. Horse loose in a tin can that's flying high above land and water, well, that's a bit of a problem. Upon landing, the flight crew indicated that they had a horse in problem, but didn't require immediate assistance on the ground. The details of how the horse managed to escape uh, <laughs> its confinement are still unclear to us here in the media, but it remained loose until the plane touched down at JF JFK. Now, I'm not quite, quite sure what sort of uh, uh, plane. It said a cargo plane, so I assume it's only flying cargo and not passengers because you could imagine those aisles are pretty thin. And, you know, just off takeoff, they're already doing meal service. Maybe the horse was hungry, but that would cause quite the disturbance. You know, I, I've seen the videos of people with animals on planes and some of the strange service animals that people take on planes like peacocks. But a horse? I'm glad it possibly wasn't a passenger. Well, it definitely wasn't because it was a cargo plane. Anyway, I'm just making things up as we go along. But in good news, <laughs> after they touched down at JFK, they were able to resolve the issue and the flight resumed successfully, reaching Belgium just a tinsy, insy, wincy bit late. And the airline involved, Air Atlanta, Icelandic, well, they have not provided any comments on the incident thus far. I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you what, the horse on the plane took the term horsepower a little too literally. And who needs in-flight movies when you've got a real live drama unfolding right before your eyes in the cargo hold? Talk about horsing around. And you've heard about snakes on a plane, <laughs> but this takes animal-related flight incidents to a whole new level. A whole new level. And that's weird, wacky, and wonderful news this week here on The Troy Murphy Show. And it's all over just like that. And that's it. The Troy Murphy Show done and dusted for your Thursday night here on 2SR FM. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you missed any part of the show or want to listen back again, you can do so by listening on demand. 
by heading to the twsr.com.au website and clicking on the Troy Murphy Show on the live program guide. If you see any local news, want us to follow up on a story or are a community or non-for-profit organisation based in or servicing the Sutherland Shire and want a shout-out, email me direct, troy.murphy at twsr.com.au. I'll be back next week from 7pm for another edition of The Troy Murphy Show. Until next week, my friends, bye for now. 2SSR, FM 99.7.